Welcome to episode 126 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC anime universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. It is hotter than hell in LA. Yeah. Uh, So this is my way of setting us up for having to keep this short. Yeah. I'm saying it now. We have to keep this short. So that we try and actually keep it I, short. I will limit my rants this week <laughs> on these rants episodes. And tangents. But as a forewarning, as foreshadowing, more like it, both of these episodes are such overused tropes. They're they're uh, really bad. Yeah. They're really bad. One of them I think is is definitely my least favorite Zeta so far. Wow. Might be my least favorite episode in the entire DC. Which is interesting because up to this point. I didn't hate it. I was also very distracted while watching these episodes. Okay. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, See, we're going to get okay, into it yeah, in a minute. We'll, we'll, we'll get into We've it. We've immediately switched stances once again. <laughs> we got to keep people guessing. Yeah. Who's going to be the good guy this week? Neither. 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 <laughs> yeah, so we, we will try and keep it tight because it is, it is very hot. I have my entire apartment vented out, so there's probably random background noises, too, but we're just going to go along with it. Uh, I realized when we were teeing up news for this week's episode, a huge piece of news that we forgot to mention last week because we we're set up in Comic-Con is we now have a new reigning box office king yeah. with Avengers Endgame. It did it. It beat out Avatars. Are you surprised? I With the how many pushes they, they gave it? I think uh, if you had asked me when this movie... If you had asked me before maybe three weeks into this release, I would have said it would have done it because mm-hmm. like, it came out so strong. Yeah. And just the quality of it too. Was it, it is it number one, uh, opening weekend? I think or it's, is that still star Wars. Ooh, that's a good question. I think it might, actually. I think force awakens still holds, um, opening weekend. I'm not sure. I'm looking it up real quick. Um, but I mean, I, I thought I, I thought it would do it. And then once it started to get some pretty heavy drop off, which is, kind of not surprising mm-hmm. i mean oftentimes if you get big drop off it has to do with the fact that movies just aren't necessarily good i think in this case it it's still obviously really good and it got a lot of retention but i think it was such an event film people had to see immediately exactly the the, the box office looking very front-loaded so that at a certain point i'm like i don't think he's gonna do it a few weeks ago i want to say it was like 33 million out mm-hmm. um and i genuinely didn't think it was gonna get there and then it did over comic-con weekend um, I, what about you? I mean, were you surprised by this? Also, I, as, as the only person in this room slash maybe we know who is a fan of both Endgame and Avatar, how do you feel about Avatar getting usurped? Dethroned? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm at peace. Everything is in balance as it should be, as Thanos, as Thanos <laughs> Perfectly says. Perfectly balanced. Perfectly balanced in every way. Uh, no, with with Av- I think I had this this conversation on the podcast before with Avatar and with with superhero films and and Star Wars films, they are incredibly front heavy because you have the audience or you, you have their target audience, the people that have obviously seen all these movies already, or not, you know have have seen everything else leading up to it. You're going to get that huge opening box office weekend, and then the next kind of three weeks are going to be the people trickling in. Who are like, okay, yeah, this will be my one or t- my one or second movie of the year. Uh, you have the people that are being dragged for the first group second viewing, right? Um, and then you kind of, and then at the end of that, you kind of have the like, well, I guess I'm not doing anything else. I guess I'll go see it. Yeah. In the last like, the last kind of five or six <laughs> weeks, mm-hmm. 
um, where there's not really like there's a much bigger audience that doesn't want to see these films compared to when Avatar came out. I see what you mean because Avatar was an original; anyone can go and see it. Whereas right. if you haven't seen any of the you haven't seen movies, the first twenty-two films. I mean. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think we did it once. I think you can get it down to like six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but still, it, it's still a daunting task. Yeah, it, where is. It's like, it totally is, though. Like, oh, I have to watch something else before I watch this? No, I'm not going to do that. That's a waste of my time. I yeah. just want to watch a movie. I'll go see fucking Fantastic Fox. <laughs> I don't know why it's the first one that popped in my Fantastic head. Fantastic Fox? Yeah. Like the Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yes. What? I don't know if that was the first one the that popped Wes in my Anderson head. The Wes Anderson movie? Yes, the Wes Anderson movie. That's the thing you just referenced? Like, yes. that's the random poll you went for? Yeah. Sorry. Rush Hour 4. Thank <laughs> you. Not an actual movie yet. Not yet. Yeah, but also, it has four in the titles. Theoretically, you should have seen the previous three. You're right. That is a, that's a, also a bad example. Um, I can't think of anything that's not a sequel. What's the movie just came out? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Boom. There, we go. there you I'll go. I'll go that, except that's two hours and 40 minutes. But very good. Okay. Um, well, yeah, you, you, have, you, know, you have a backlog before you have to go see this film. Yeah. And so I feel like that leads to a much sharper drop off than films like Avatar, films like Beauty and the Beast, films like uh, Lion King, the first Lion King, which was the highest animated film until Frozen, um, where anyone can come in. And even and then, uh, like Greatest Showman, I think is is a great oh, example yeah, that, yeah, of this. Oh yeah, yeah, a movie that didn't start out strong but just kept going and just mm-hmm. kept getting good buzz and yeah. drawing people and, in. And that was kind of the draw of Avatar. It was, you know, I I went to the midnight premiere not seeing a single trailer for it. Really? Yeah. What? Oh. I know it was a weird time. Hell, that's uh, crazy. Loved it because it was such a like unique phenomenon going. In. It was the first time I'd seen a movie without seeing any press for it. Um. So loved it, dragged my parents to go see it like two days later, dragged more friends to go see it a few days after that, um, where you just had that like that peak interest. It lasted kind of like two weeks longer than any of these other films could. Yeah, I mean, it just kept going like because I'm as you're talking, I'm kind of like looking through its stats here. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, because it stayed number one at the box office one, two, three, four, five, six weeks. And w- this was a was it a Thanksgiving movie or this was Thanksgiving movie, right? Not a Christmas uh, movie, or was it December? Oh, sorry, it eight weeks. It was December, December eighteenth okay. mm-hmm. or eighteenth. That that was the first. Okay, week. yeah. Eight, so it was it was a Christmas. Okay, eighteenth. Yeah, yeah, so it's Christmas film. Sorry, it was eight weeks. Number that's crazy. Eight mm-hmm. weeks number one the box office compared to. Endgame. I'm sure you were all very, very interested in this. Uh, only three with Endgame. Wow. What what dethroned it so quickly? Um, but I mean, but Endgame was also summer. John Wick. That's right. John. Hell Wick did yeah, it. it did. Even though John Wick three was just okay. It was. It had some good stuff in there. Yeah, but I mean, compared to one and two. Yeah, I know. Um, but I think it's it's also very different where Endgame came out. Early in the summer, but essentially in the thick of summer. Well, I mean, it, it started summer, is how a lot of people see it. Yeah, and so it, it was it had a lot of stuff ready to like take it out. Where especially in two thousand nine, movie comes out at Christmas. It's the first two months of the year are just yeah. How else are you going to distract yourself when fan with family? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why I go see a movie every Christmas with my family. Uh, we because we're together. 
But are we? See, we don't go see a movie together. Although I did take my parents to see Mary Poppins Returns this last year. Oh, yeah. Because my family doesn't want really to do theaters. And generally, we, we stay at home and watch a Christmas movie. Watch Bad Santa every year for Christmas. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do a, a quick early tangent. Did you, you see that, art, that New York Post article about uh, the woman who on a, went on a huge rant about how millennials without kids shouldn't go to Disney? I saw something about it, but I was like, I don't, I don't want to engage. Uh, the post the woman had was funny because it was her just kind of going off on like, how dare you take up the lines while my kid wants to get a pretzel? Like, what are you even doing here? Why are you spending your money at Disney? Uh, and that, that was a funny rant. But the article that the, the person wrote about the post was so skewed against Disney. It was it was very funny. Okay. Because it's like... like uh, I was basically being like, uh, all these all these millennials that are that still love Disney are just stuck in their twelve year old mindset where they only go see Disney movies. I bet you've never even heard of Booksmart, or uh, what, what's what's the uh, Aquafina movie that just came out? The Farewell. The Farewell. It's like all you do is spend all your money going to see Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and Aladdin, and you haven't seen a new movie in twenty years. It's just, it's just everything you've already seen. And I'm like, damn, this guy is so angry that Aladdin is doing well in the box office. What's the point of all of that? I don't know. Like, I mean, that's part of it. It's just like you, people just do the right articles now. So like, yeah. Just, just write an article complaining about the fact that the only place millennials spend their money is Disney. Yeah. And I mean, obviously... <laughs> Why as aren't they spending it at Applebee's? As I'm sitting here in a Disney shirt. Yes. It. I'm, I'm not the voice of someone uh, who can unbiasedly co have a conversation about that's this. That's true. I'm, I'm trying to look and see if I can see... Anything ex specifically Disney with an ISA? Oh, Wally, the Wally Lego. Mm -hmm. uh, that's it. Yeah, but I'll count it. Uh, but I mean, I, I do forget that there are a bunch of people that that do see that as such a negative. That you know, I spend so much time at Disney. Mm -hmm. Even even today, uh, I was walking back from kickball and I had left my phone on the bench, and uh, one of my teammates who's very much not a nerd. Very, very sports-heavy kind of person. Mm -hmm. Not that they're completely separate categories. Uh, but he's like, who's the, who's the kid here with the Teen Titans phone background? I'm like, one, you don't have to ask. It's obviously me. Uh, and I, I'm like, oh, that's mine. So I walk over. He's like, oh, I don't even know why I know that. Like, you know, Teen Titans, and like, you know, I don't read comics. I'm like, you don't have to be ashamed of you, knowing who wait, the Teen Titans are. are they're you, very popular. Are you defending yourself on not knowing Teen Titans? Like, yeah. What is the point of that? Right. He's like, he's like he was like ashamed that he knew <clears throat> what my background was. Like any that's like that's a bit I mean not to be mean to your teammate, but that's like the behavior of a fifteen year old who wants to pretend like they don't still like read comics and buy toys and right. that sort of stuff. It's mm -hmm. like you are an adult, yeah. sir. But no, I'm I'm cool with this. I'm glad Endgame took the spot. Mm -hmm. I prefer Endgame to Avatar. We've established I'm not a big Avatar fan. Yeah. I'm mean, not a lot of people are, mm. but the ride's still doing much better than Star Wars Land. Oh yeah, that's the mm -hmm. thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, Pandora is great though. I know. I do want to go check it out at some point. Yeah. Uh, we also got some trailers this week. We did very L few. Let's, let's do let's do talk Zombieland. Yeah. Trailer for Zombieland Two, aka Zombieland Double Tap, came out. How'd you feel about it? What'd you think? Uh, I love it. I'm super pumped for it. Mm -hmm. Uh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, how do you feel? I, look, I, I found it entertaining. Um, I'll end up seeing it. Mm -hmm. I, I, let me rephrase that. I intend to see it. Okay. If it comes out and it gets very, like, 
lukewarm to middling reviews, I may end up not. Um, just if I just don't have the time, like, eh, fuck it, I might pass on it. Yeah. But, I mean, there's some stuff that, in the trailer that made me laugh, and I like those characters a lot. I'm very curious if they're going to try and explain how it's been 10 years and they're still discovering new people in this world. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel like at this point, people would have condensed. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe because th- this four is kind of like kind of the outliers, I feel like. I feel like Woody Harrelson's character wouldn't want to, unless he could lead whatever camp they find, I feel, he, I feel like he'd be like, no, we're, we're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Nice to see you guys. Um, just kind of do his best to, to, to remain on top. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it should be fun. But it's also been so long since I've seen the first Zombie Land. I'm sure there's a lot that I've forgotten. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a few years. Mm-hmm. But I, I always liked that movie. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, here's hoping that Ruben Fleischer gets a, another good film under his belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the trail that I was super excited for, Jojo Rabbit. Yes. The, Taika. Yeah, the latest film, Taika Waititi. Looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird concept for those who haven't seen it. Because uh, it's set in Germany during World War II. Mm-hmm. And it's about a, a boy whose imaginary best friend is Hitler. Oh, I didn't realize he was imaginary. Yeah. I thought it, it was actually him. <laughs> no, his, his imaginary best friend is Hitler, played by Taika Waititi. Yes. Oh, hey, Adolf. Yeah. <laughs> it's so... It's just the trip... The trailer just looks so Taika Waititi. Also feels kind of Wes anderson I was, I was just about to say, it feels like a Wes Anderson film that has Taika Waititi in it. Yeah, which uh, it's an interesting idea. I love both their aesthetics. It'd be closely combined. So, But as much as I love the trailer, the thing that made me laugh harder was the downfall meme that came out. Did you see that? Mm-mm. So what I'm referring to is the the downfall meme is the, the video that I'm sure everyone has seen multiple versions of, but it's a older... Uh, German language film where they're in the, bu- oh, the bunker yes. and someone's giving bad news to Hitler and mm-hmm. he goes on this crazy rant. So in this time, it's they're delivering the news that they're making a movie about him. And he's like, oh, well, as long as there are no Jews in it, it's fine. So, well, actually, it's directed and starring a Polynesian Jew named Taika Waititi. I didn't actually know he was Jewish, which Neither was cool. Um, but then it just, it is, it's even funnier than the trailer. I was laughing so hard during this this meme. Okay. I, I, I will put it in the show notes. If you haven't watched it, go watch this. Great. I'm sure everyone has seen a version of this at some point, but this was genius. And it was put out by the official Jojo Rabbit Twitter account. Oh, that's even better. Which is so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie, I mean, obviously it's Taika. We're yeah. always excited for Taika films. Did you ever watch um, Breaker Uppers? No. Okay. Is that is that one of his early ones? No, that was his straight-to-Netflix movie that came out about a year ago and he was initially, I think he just got too busy and it was pushed too far on the back burner for him. Cause initially he was supposed to, uh, write, not write, direct and produce. He didn't write it. Okay. Uh, but then he was, then it was pushed to him just producing it. And I feel like this was made right in the heat of Ragnarok. Oh, okay. And so it was pushed super back on his back burners. Uh, so it, it's okay. okay. The, the premise is, and, and it's none of his normal cast. It's all new people. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he's in it now that I think about it. Oh, that's um, too bad. But it's about a company that started up in New Zealand where these two girls will plan a proper breakup for you and your significant other. So it's, it's hmm. uh, they can either do it where it's like super dramatic, where there's just no more contact between you two, or they can kind of ease the other person into it. 
uh, or it's kind of like those those old, not really old. I'm sure there's some people that still do it. Though, like the um, the human greeting card, where you have someone they come to your desk or door and they play you a song, a singing telegram. That's the one. <laughs> nope. Da, 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 da. I am your singing telegram. Yes. So they do that, but it's it's door. for breakups. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like, please tell me you know what that reference is. I'm gonna guess Looney Tunes. No. Pinky in the Brain. What's my second favorite movie? Animaniacs. It's not a movie. It's a TV show. Casablanca. It's my second favorite movie. Casablanca 2. Return to Casablanca. <laughs> Casablanca? <laughs> yeah. Too Fast, Too Casablanca. What's my favorite comedy movie? Airplane. No, it's, it's the, the highest last minute. It's not my favorite comedy movie. Um, Cameron, with you you <laughs> not knowing this, it's just it's making me so mad. There are flames <laughs> on the side of my face. <laughs> Blazing Saddles. Oh my God! <laughs> you, uh, I I was just gonna try and throw more references at you, but you're not gonna get it. Have you not seen Clue? Yeah, I've seen Clue. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! How did you cl- not get those references? <laughs> it's like two of the most common references from Clue. Is it the s- flames on the side of my face? Oh yeah. I feel like those aren't the most common references. That's of one Clue. of the most. Com- I don't. Think I'm sorry. So. No. If you say flames on the side of my face, heaving breaths, heaving. That's only Clue. No one else knows. That's not from anything else. Yeah, but that's not the most recognizable part of Clue. That is one of the most recognizable. I doubt it. You don't even know the movie. I do know the movie. No, because you missed two really obvious references for it. I don't memorize the movie. Then you but don't I know, know the it. Movie. No, then you don't know it. I'm sorry, Tim Curry. I. Apologize to you specifically, Chris. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Name any other cast member in that movie. Uh, uh, um, oh God. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm Doc wait- Brown. I'm waiting. Uh, the actor's name is Emmett Brown. <laughs> oh my God. No, 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 no. I know, I know, I know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, listeners, <laughs> I'm gonna put up a Twitter poll this week. <laughs> Uh, and you vote yes or no. Should I fire Cameron <laughs> from the podcast? Hold on. Hold on. Uh, I vote yes. Uh, Judge Doom. The, again, not <laughs> the actor's name. What is his name? Do you want me to give you a very obvious hint? No. Okay. Bob? No. Oh, my God. Iger. Yes. <laughs> Bob Iger, famous actor from Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, real real great career trajectory, I'd say. That that Iger himself. You still can't do it, can you? No. He's you can't even name a lead actor from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I did. Judge Doom. That's not the actor. Yeah. <laughs> They're real in my eyes, Chris. Uh, we will all be expecting a letter of resignation from you via Instagram this this week. Honestly, if it gets me out of watching more Zeta. God damn it. No, wait. (laughs) Shit. I've walked myself into a trap. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Weber. Christopher Lloyd Weber? (laughs) As in like Andrew Lloyd Weber? (laughs) Yeah, it's his brother, right? The man who wrote Phantom of the Opera? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. Did that come before or after Phantom of the Megaplex? I think 
people are going to hear me have an aneurysm live. I did. I did. On gonna, this podcast. I'm going to throw my friend under the bus. In high school, I was watching Hercules with one of my friends. Uh, and she paused the movie halfway through. Uh, and this is before I, I went full nerd like I am now. Uh, she paused the movie and she's like, this, this origin story feels a lot like Superman. Did Superman come first? And I, and I had to pause and I'm like, Evan, do you think Superman was alive before the Greek gods? And she's like, well, no, but I mean, Hercules is, it came out in in the nineties. Well, hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm going to defend your friend a little bit on okay. this one. Because the specific way they tell the Hercules story in Hercules animated movie yes. is a complete riff off of Superman. Now, obviously, Superman as a character is highly inspired by or could be considered inspired by the original myth of Hercules. Yes. But there are a lot of elements of Hercules' story. The way they do it in the movie is blatantly like Superman. Yes, but she forgot that he was a Greek god. Like a Greek myth. She thought that Disney had made up the character of Hercules. Yes. Off of Superman. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, as embarrassing as that is, it's less embarrassing than you not knowing who Christopher Lloyd is, even though Who Framed Roger Rabbit is your favorite movie of all time. Yeah. That being said, let us move on to Zeta oh. before I kill you. Um, okay. So let, we're going to start off here with uh, Roy's reunion. Rose reunion. No. Not Kid Genius? No, Rose Reunion is, is which was which episodes did you watch? Kid Genius and Rose Reunion. Yeah, Rose Reunion isn't that the first one? No. Wait a Kid minute. Genius was first. What? No. Yeah. What? No. Yes. What? Yes. No. Yes. Hang on, I'm double checking this. I watched it on my iPad. It's very possible I watched them in reverse order. I mean, but you saw the same episodes, right? Yeah, but okay, we, then we, we can start with Rose Reunion. No, we do them in order. Okay, then we're going to start with yeah, no, Kid Genius. 11 is Rose Reunion, 12 is Kid Genius. Okay, then we're going to start with Rose, Re- Rose Reunion. See? Why are you making me doubt myself? I'm not. The order I watched it in was Kid Genius and Rose Re- That was how it was on the definitely not illegal site that I watched this on. Yeah, see, I watched it off of iTunes where mm-hmm. I bought it legally. What a great Samaritan you are. And I watched the proper way. I don't know what they're going to do about season two. It's not even there. Oh, we're- so you didn't like... So you didn't like Kid Genius. I That's hate, your least favorite episode. I hated Kid Genius. Okay, 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 okay then. Okay, because Rose Reunion, I thought, uh, had an interesting premise. Yeah, I mean, so... Because I thought you were talking about that one. I'm like, oh, no, I'm so okay with that one. What I've come to realize with this show is I think every, every episode actually has a tiny bit of a good idea in there. Mm-hmm. Like there is a thematic concept in there that's really interesting or like a small arc that they, they touch upon that could make for a really good episode mm-hmm. and they just don't execute it well. Right. Cause this one it's uh Rose reunion. Rose reunion. Okay. Thank you. Ro is trying to track down her long lost brother who we found out about when she went to Denver or whatever the fuck it was. Wisconsin. Was it, it wasn't Wisconsin. Utah. Sure. It's a Utah. When, when she it was went, in the when, Northeast. When they went to hang Northwest. out with the, the, the actor, the actor dude. What's his name? Doesn't matter. What's his name, Chris? Hmm? What's his name? He was in Roger. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> yes, thank you. Christopher Lloyd Webber. Yes, Come on. Christopher Grace Lloyd Webber. Yes. They, they're trying to trick in the brother. They go to social services. That doesn't work out, but the social services lady is like, hey, why don't you go talk to this guy, Harry Lutz? He might be able to help you. We discover Harry Lutz is a producer on a 
talk show called yes. Sky's the Limit. Similar to like a like a Murray. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like um, like not quite as trashy as a, a, a Springsteen. Not Springsteen. <laughs> as Bruce Springer. It's Bruce Springsteen's show. Yes, Bruce Springer. <laughs> Uh, like not as quite as trash as like a Jerry Springer, one of those, but in, in mm-hmm. the same sort of vein of those yeah. sort of things. Um, and so she is basically forced to go on the show more or less because they put her up on camera, which then alerts the NSA that they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And they decide Rose is like, Oh, but if I go on this show to try and get reunited with my brother, cause that's what the show does is reunite families. Then Zeta, they'll be like, follow me wherever I go and we'll have to stop hanging out. Acting like they've never escaped the NSA before. I know. Like, and I'm just, like, you have literally escaped them in, I'm going to guess, two months, five times. Yeah, you're constantly escaping the NSA. What about that? Like, because it's not even that they're going to like capture her and like use her as leverage. The way she puts it is like, oh, they're going to know where I am and they're going to follow me wherever I go forever and they'll eventually find you if you stay with me. It's like, yeah, that's what acting they, like they don't do that nowadays. They already do that all the time. It doesn't make any damn sense. So she decides, she's, she decides to go on the show. Zeta discovers the whole thing is a ruse, that mm-hmm. the, the family members they bring along are paid actors. And so when he realizes this, he goes to try and uh, stop the show from happening and rescue Roe. The NSA shows up. They escape from it, unsurprisingly, and she doesn't actually end up meeting his brother. Mm-hmm. Highlight of this episode, though, uh, Chris Summers in it. Yes, exactly. The voice mm-hmm. of uh, Sky, the host of the show, who... Uh, because it's Cree Summer and I love her, I was glad that Sky as a character wasn't an a-hole. Yeah, same. I was a little same. bit worried she was going to be in on the whole scheme, but she she somehow has no <laughs> idea that this is going on. Over yeah, the course she's, of the she's show. completely oblivious to what her producer is doing. Like, I mean, so you didn't hate this episode? You kind of liked it? I So the episode opens with what I thought the trope was going to be, uh, which was the same one, the same episode they already did in Jackie Chan Adventures. Which is you the, Uncle Five Five Yes. Yes. Uh, where they meet Uncle and Toru, uh, where they walk on the set, not realizing it's a set. Uh, there's a woman crying for help in a burning building. That Zeta, happens in Jackie Chan Adventures too. There isn't. It's it's not a burning building. It's a woman gets robbed in an alley. Okay. And Jackie does his awesome parkour kung fu mm-hmm. to stop the robber, and then he finds out it's it's a set. But the and this is what I thought the episode was going to be. Ro is going to go do her family thing. Uh, and in the Jackie Chan episode, uh, the director is so impressed with Jackie, they want to make him a star. Fantastic. And I thought they were going to do that with Zeta. Yeah. Because I would love the gag where they're like, I like your initiative. We're going to have you be a stunt double. Are you durable? It's like, yeah. So they, he has, they have him be a stunt double. They put him in makeup. And like the woman is about to like put makeup on him and she like dips down to, you know, do something on the ground. She drops the makeup or drops the lipstick or something. And then he changes his face yeah. to already have all the makeup on it. It's a good gag. And then it looks, then she looks up and she's like, hold on. And then he just kind of walks on set. Um, it's a great gag. I would have been down Yeah. That. So like that's happening while Roe is dealing with the family stuff. Yeah. And then they can have that emotional moment of like, like, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. And he can be like, well, we've spent the past three days apart. And I think that's been going fine. Uh, I'm leaving you here and never seeing you again. Yes. And then the show's over. And the show is over. Mercifully. Thank God. No, I, that would have made it a bit more interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. Where, like, they like, Ro keeps wanting to have this talk with him. Yeah. Of, like, 
I want to do the show to meet my brother, but I don't want to do the show one because I know the NSA is coming and two, maybe not have it be the next day, but like in two days it's going to be her. Yeah. Um, and so then you have the, where she's trying to talk to him, but he is caught in the hustle and bustle of Hollywood. Do you, so, cause one of the things I found so bizarre about this episode is they, she sent to the studio and they, kind of like surprise her and put her on a live feed going out and like, Oh, and the next day this person could be on here. So this isn't like, and she's like the, the host even says we have great researchers. They'll find your brother in less than 24 hours, basically mm-hmm. at least she never actually says those words, but like that is the implication because the show's going to be on tomorrow. Do you think this was the animators making fun of the comparatively short turnaround time of live action production? Because, like, for animation, it takes weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to film anything, whereas, like, you can go and shoot something and do a relatively quick turnaround with live action. Um, no, I think I think it was make, just making fun of those those kinds of talk shows. Because I feel like in the early 2000s, that was kind of the peak. Of like, Jerry Springer was kind of the fade out. But then we were getting our Dr. Phil's coming in. We were getting our Murray's coming in. We were getting, what, you were going to say something? Maury. Maury coming in. <laughs> well, in this universe, it's Murray. Ed. It's F. Murray Abraham. Yes. Who? Does, what is that reference? Doesn't matter. He's a well-known actor. Is he? Yes. Is he? He played Salieri in Mozart and Amadeus. F. Murray. F. Murray Abraham. Uh, fine. Sure. He also plays uh, John Practice in uh, The Last Action Hero. Okay. You've seen The Last Action Hero. I have, but yeah. I don't know anyone in it besides for He's the other cop who uh, turns out to be a bad guy. So it's like, he's like, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger seems like, oh, you know, how, how do you get to Carnegie Hall with practice? John practice, my old pal, and they're friends, and then he practices to betraying him. And okay. the kid even calls out, like, clearly he's a bad guy. He played, like, Salieri and Mozart. He's also a Star Trek villain. Fuck off, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> What were we talking about? Oh, how the episode should have gone. Yes, how it should have gone. Yeah, it's like, look, there's something interesting emotionally happening here. Like, one, I think if they had hung it on the idea that if she finds her family, she wouldn't need to be on the run with him anymore. Right. And I think that makes it much more interesting than using the NSA as an excuse. Again, there's an interesting idea here. There's, like, an emotional hook. But then what they run that through into terms of a story is just kind of weak. It's like you said, they didn't, they didn't lean into the playfulness of it all being set on a, you know, a film stage. They just have that ridiculous scene where like they somehow animate around the fact there must be a massive film crew there while this is all going on. Yeah. You know, and, and it's also kind of the whole conspiracy side of it is like, um, how can everyone be in on this and not know kind of how everyone's cheating yeah guest. it's like I mean, how can it be one producer who has an under the table deal with a corrupt social services agent yeah because do they just not actually have researchers i guess or not. Are the researchers he, he just said, the talent producers he said they were talent ex- agents it was too expensive so they yeah. opted to do it this way instead which mm-hmm. is like so fucking ridiculous uh, what was i gonna say uh i don't know I don't yeah. remember anymore. Did you did you happen to notice? You might know this. When did the show She Spies come out? 
She spy? You mean totally spies? That one. Wow. No, wow. no, 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 no. <laughs> don't even start with me on that. Wow. You don't know Amadeus and you don't know totally spies? <laughs> They're basically on the same level uh, for dynamic uh, for film achievement. Totally Spies came out uh, early 2000, I want to say 2003-ish. So, because at one point, there's a wide shot of the lot, and they have you know, like, the big posters over one of the um, the stages. And it there's a poster that what looks a lot Lady like... Lady Spies? She Spies. <laughs> Isn't She Spies a thing? I don't think so. Was She Spies... No, that was the... I thought maybe She Spies was the fictional TV show from Pulp Fiction. But I think that was the Foxy Five. Oh, 2001 is when it started. Isn't wow, this show lasted a while. First I think episode was 2001. Last episode was 2013. Oh my god, I don't know it was that long. I, I knew it was a French show. It's 156 episodes. I totally spies. Dang. I know that. I'm looking up she spies. There's a she spies. She spies. Is a, oh my god. There is a. Okay. She spies was a TV show, a live action TV show. I knew I wasn't crazy. Ran for two years uh, with Natasha Henstridge. Oh, I mean, like, if you look, it's basically just a riff off of Charlie's Angels. Like, yeah. Look, look, like, look at the poster for this. No, this I, is, I'm, this I'm is, looking this at This is it, straight yeah. up the poster from Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I am not crazy. She Spies was a thing. Uh, was it probably to rival Birds of Prey around this time? I mean, that's not the same. That's not even close. Like, Birds of Prey was its own. Have you ever watched Birds of Prey? No. It's weird. It's really, really weird. Okay. Like, Huntress is the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. Cool. Catwoman's now dead. Batwoman is missing, as he must in all Batman TV shows that doesn't actually feature Batman. Great. And she is a metahuman that has, like, cat powers, kind of in the vein of the Halle Berry Catwoman movie. Sick. Yeah. I'm in. But they do a great job with Oracle, that being said. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, no, I thought maybe there was a, a, a little nod to Totally Spies. Mm-hmm. In the background of the show, I may be mistaken. Not a reference to She Spies. It's also a reference to She Spies. Okay. They, they walk past a live action photo of the She Spies poster on the stage. Great. Uh, what else is happening? They produce in twenty four hours. It's all fake. Oh, that that was that was the point I wanted to make. There was a post uh, that I saw a while. There were there were two of the similar kind of posts that I saw on the internet a while ago. There was the idea of like people who believe in the like moon landing is fake conspiracy. And the uh, and the Area 51 conspiracy have obviously never been project managers because they don't know how hard it is to get like 10 people to do their jobs, <laughs> let alone a whole corporation yeah. to keep quiet on one thing. I know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. How did it like how how did no one else on this show not know what was going on? Yeah. Because so even the like talent, I would understand because talent is in a whole separate area than behind the scenes people. Yeah, but how has no one tried to sue them yet? Because yeah, when how Zeta finds out the whole thing is fake is he was walking off the lot and he sees a little girl complaining to uh, the producer Harry Lutz because the woman they brought on to be her mom was an actress. Now, how did that girl not know that wasn't her mom? Well, because she'd never seen her before. What? No, she had. Like, they got separated in, like, uh, a storm. Oh, that's right. I forgot like, that. They were, like, they were, their town got hit with, like, a massive tornado or something like that. They got separated. And the stories coming out of the aftermath of the tornado is that a bunch of people got hit in the head and a bunch of people had memory loss. Like, well, guess what? One of those people was your mom, and now she's here. Did the kid also get memory loss? Like, how was well, it not well, obvious? The kid did make 
a statement that like um, they might have known what the mom looked like and painted or and, and fixed up the actress to look like the mom because but, she even said like yeah the freckles were fake yeah but you're you a child would still recognize their mom that she's only been separated from for what I think less than a year based on the context of the episode this could make up artists in the future oh my god no she's also a hologram yes <laughs> then it would make sense. No, it's just like, it's so crazy that no one else know about this. And then, of course, look at the end of the episode. They get away from the NSA because they do it all the time. Yeah. Like, I, it's it, why. And then also how they get away from the NSA is that Zeta just puts on a disguise and pretends to be one of the, the film crew firefighters. How does the NSA still fall for that? They keep falling for it. Do they have the fucking goggles that they can see these things? I mean, they're busy. <sighs> they're trying to chase. They can't just pull the goggles out while they're running. Have you ever tried to run with like loose glasses on? Yes. It's very I have frustrating. I've ran with binoculars on my face. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's not true in the slightest. Yeah, I don't know what purpose that would be. Well, I was trying to hunt down a bird. Okay. Yeah, a bird scooter. It was way off in the distance. I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're constantly like, looking at through the binoculars, trying to look at your phone at the same yeah. time. It's like, I know it's here. <laughs> yeah. I know it's in this area. I've got my phone held way, way, way out in front of the binoculars. Mm-hmm. One eye on the phone, one eye on the street. Yeah. Everyone thinks you're just taking a really bad selfie. Yes. A really mm-hmm. embarrassing selfie. Yes. I just really love Rear Window. I'm just a huge fan. Trying to reboot it for the modern age. It's already been done once. It's called Disturbia. Oh, yeah. I like Disturbia. I've heard it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Under House Arrest? Yeah. yeah. That's actually a good movie. That's what I've heard. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah, because that was uh, apparently Steven Spielberg, who didn't direct the movie but produced it, was so impressed by Shia LaBeouf, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf, mm-hmm. that uh, he asked him to be in Indiana Jones. Yeah. And, and that went very well. The rest is history. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this was this was bad, but honestly, I hated the next one worse. Yeah. This, but, I mean, like it, we said, this, this had a good idea. They could have obviously improved it like I already did for them. Yes. Like we both already did for them. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the next one. Is it the most played trope in cartoons? What, de-aging people down to babies? Or forcing children to deal with babies? Or uh, forcing children to deal with their parents who have been reduced to babies? That one. <laughs> or de-evolving people to look like cavemen? Also Or that one. setting a de-aging clinic in Palm Springs over a hot spring that somehow explodes. That one, too. That one as well? Okay. Because that was already a Batman episode, minus the explosion part. That's true, yeah. Uh, the Doctor Strange episode. Not the Doctor Strange. The um, Hugo, Hugo Strange. Strange. Yeah. Oh, was that a Hugo? I didn't realize that was Hugo. I forgot that was... Yeah. yeah. Was I, the, I just remember the, that was when Alfred got, not kidnapped, but forced to go on vacation. Oh, no, I'm thinking of a different one. Which one are you thinking of? I'm thinking of the one where the strange secret of Bruce Wayne, when Bruce goes to that clinic... I thought that was in Palm Springs, wasn't it? Yeah, their version of Palm Springs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but you're right. Then there was the, the episode where Alfred yeah, goes to the Poison health Ivy. spa, and that's Poison mm-hmm. Ivy. Yeah. That's right. mm-hmm. I don't remember what that episode was called. Mm, doesn't matter. But, but the idea of kids having to take on the parental role because the parents have become kids. Yeah. Trope. I made a list. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you did. Off the top of my head, what I could remember was also known as the Fountain of Youth trope. Jack and Adventures. It's a great one. Oh, I remember mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. It's probably my favorite version of it. Uh, JLU does a version we'll be seeing in a few months. Yeah, that's true. I mean, many months. Mm-hmm. Futurama does a great one. <gasps> yeah, that, that one's probably the best one, actually. Oh. Uh, Kids Next Door did it. There was the Fountain of Youth under the school. Mm-hmm. Emperor's New School did it. Of course it did. Lilo and Stitch the series did it. 
because uh, there was a whole experiment uh, named Baby Fire that had a rattle on its tail, and when it shook the rattle, uh, it would turn the, the adults into kids, or into babies, and Lilo had to take care of Nani. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I put in Sky High, because that's basically the plot of Sky High. It's actually true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this has been done a lot. I think everything you just described, whether I've seen it or not, must be better than this. Yes. Because this just had, like, so many stupid things in it. The music was what got me. I didn't even pay attention. The, the music, music is is the music that would play in a like Door the Explorer kind of show. Okay, I didn't notice music. I was too busy trying to. I'll, I'll rephrase that because Dora has its own unique kind of music. This music that you would hear in like Rugrats or in um, like Tiny, not Tiny Tunes, Baby Looney Tunes. Okay, mm-hmm. it's just it's so childish. Yeah, it's like one. We're starting off with Bucky. I know. Oh, I know. And somehow he wasn't the worst thing in this episode. What would you say is the worst? It's the cavemen. Oh, yeah. So because the whole idea is that Bucky's parents are also inventors. Apparently they're not very good, at least by his estimate. They're not particularly good Mm -hmm. inventors. And they willingly go to work for Dr. Tanner, the guy from the first Bucky episode who tried to steal Bucky's invention. And they're trying to build a de-aging ray. That Tanner wants to then use to make a whole bunch of money yeah. off of everything. Oh, I, I do want to point out that um, Bucky does not like his parents because they put him before their experiments. Yes. He's very upset with them because they're not, he says they're not great inven- inventors because they focus on him too much, like parents are supposed to. Yes, because they're too busy telling him not to do stupid things because all he ever does it's stupid is things. stupid things. And I, I just, I really appreciate that we finally found. The first good parents in all of the DCAU. Mm. I mean, Gordon's a pretty good dad. I I'm going to say they're still not particularly good parents because they do willingly go work for the man who was trying to steal their son's invention. Yes. That's pretty. Sh- that's petty. That's very petty on their part. I know, but it's probably good money. He has 20 million credits in the hole, which means... Yeah, he must like, have paid them pretty well. From like these weird young like punk rock. I know. I was like, did investors. they like were they the ones that that achieved the the youth thing? Yeah, because like this one guy's just wearing like this random sleeveless tank on this video call. Yeah, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, adults in this don't, adults don't do that. No, unless you're Tan Fran. Tan Fran. Tan from Queer Eye. Tan France. That's what I said. You just cut me off. <laughs> when does he wear a tank top? I just feel like he could rock it. He's always in a really nice button down with a French tuck. But he could rock it. Well, of course he could. He's, he's in great shape, Tan. Yeah. He's, he's choice. I'll say um, if there was an adult he's so pretty. to try it, it'd be him. It'd be him. Or Johnny Depp. Yes. And one would succeed at it. One would not. Yes. Uh, but so, <clears throat> Bucky recruits Zeta and Roe to go with him to try and get his parents back. And when they get there, they have been, I, I think they, what, deliberately de-aged themselves? Did they, like, they, like, sabotage the machine and, or no, they de-aged themselves, then sabotage the machine? How did that work? They I, accidentally de-aged themselves? I don't know. So, so the initial, the first time they tried the machine, it didn't de-age, but it devolved. De- devolved, which resulted in a whole bunch of the people who showed up to get de-aged being... Like, 
ape man monsters like yes. cavemen, which is mm-hmm. that for me was the point where I'm like, what the literal fuck is happening on this show? Well, it, it was also different levels of because there was some that were actually like ape people, and there was one that looked like he had like a lizard face. There was. Yeah. I missed that one. Uh, and then the rest of them kind of he got devolved till he was the missing link. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, which also like that's pretty crazy technology in itself that's more advanced technology than de-aging yes and even their like their de-aging science is like oh like over time your your molecules like get saggy basically your d-day gets saggy well i mean but that is not entirely wrong no it's not but like this ray then just like unsags your dna it's yeah so, it's so dumb There's cave- this could easily have been a uh viagra commercial it's all a viagra metaphor yeah <sighs> But it's also Do you miss that skipping your step? <laughs> it is two things though. It is a uh, an advertisement for both Viagra and also birth control. Yeah. Because the children in this are so goddamn annoying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's deliberately annoying because they have to be more annoying than Bucky, which is an impressive feat in of itself. Exactly. Oh, what what oh. uh so oh, so so the first attempt, the machine. Also, that means that Tanner, Dr. Tanner, <laughs> bought the invention. Before ever seeing it work. That doesn't surprise me. He's kind yeah. of an idiot. Uh, again, $20 million in the hole. Credits in the hole. Yeah. Uh, so the first attempt devolves people. And then the second attempt, without ever, I guess, like, non-client test subjects, because everyone in the room that was a baby was also a, like a, an old person at one yeah. point. Uh, so then they're like, oh... Yeah, we're just going to start this place up. You're going to fix it in time, I guess. Uh, so all the first batch of clients are now babies. And then they turn themselves. I mean, they do. They're on the right track because they're not babies yet. They are like six years old instead. It's progress. That's progress. I guess. In the scientific community, that's a step forward. Now we go back to the scientific method. Didn't work exactly the way we wanted to. Back to the beginning. Yeah. New hypothesis. New, new hypothesis. methodology. This is dumb. So dumb. Uh, yeah. So then Bucky comes, Zeta and Roe come in, and then it's the typical Bucky has to take care of his parents. But here's the thing that really, really angered me about this episode mm. is the main, the main storyline is Bucky has to fix the invention to get his parents back. Yes. How do they end the episode? By resolving the plot when the episode is over. Yeah, exactly, because they, they leave the facility. They blow up the facility. They, yeah, they, oh, my God. They accidentally blow up. Somehow they basically mess with the the geothermal conduit. Yeah, the yeah the, the machine is powered geothermally. Thermically. Thermally. Geothermally. Geothermally. Yes. Ge- mm. It's powered through the Earth. Geothermic would describe... Ooh. It's powered by the earth. It's powered by lava. Yes. It's powered by hot springs. It's powered by hot stuff. <laughs> um, and yeah, something goes wrong. Zeta doesn't hit anything that looks like it's part of the machine. He hits the door frame to knock out the, the, the ape man guard. Uh, and then that was enough of a, of a reaction to cause the whole thing to blow up. Yeah. I mean, we do know in this universe, everything is highly combustible. Yes. Including dirt. So we know, here's, here's my question for you. 
we see two buses. Yeah. One with that's just Bucky, Zeta, Roe, and the two parents. Yes. The two baby parents. <clears throat> and what one that's Dr. Tanner and all the other babies. Yeah, all the, the former elderly people have now been DH'd to children. But we also see before that that the spa area is already full of old people. Where do they go? Did they all die? Yes. Cool. Yeah. Well, they're not going to get out there quickly. Right. I mean, they like made a mad dash to escape, but they're not moving very quickly. And the place is already blowing up while it was happening. Mm-hmm. They're all dead. Yes. Cool. Great. Good to know. Yeah. This episode is probably the highest body count of any DCAU episode we've seen yet. Yes. Uh, but yeah, watching this episode, it just like really makes you appreciate the Futurama episode. It's yeah, it's just it's just a really sloppy thing. And like you said, they get to oh, the courage. End. I forgot about courage. The cow dog course, does courage this. Did that. Yeah. Like you get to the end and Zane is like, oh, macaroni. what? It's, it's from the episode. Courage has to make mac and cheese for Muriel. Uh, but she's being very temperamental. And she's like, no, I want more. Yeah. Like she has to get the ratio just right. So she's like more cheese. No, less cheese, more macaroni, more cheese. And then she's just messing with him. It's a great bit. Everyone should go look it up. Emmett Brown is in. (laughs) God damn it. Christopher Lloyd's in it. Christopher Lloyd Webber is in it. Uh, But no, like, yeah, the episode resolves with Zeta going like, oh, I scanned the machine. I can build a new one and like change your parents back. But not all the children that are now stuck on this bus with this guy who is actively trying to murder Bucky. Yes. Like he was hunting him down with like a blaster trying to kill him. And now he's stuck on a bus with a bunch of children. Mm hmm. So either he's going to kill them, or he's going to crash that bus, or he's going to abandon them somewhere. But more people are going to die. Yes. This episode has so much child death. But but they're old people. Also, it's implied child death. So it's fine. Exactly. It's fine. I mean, that's how that's how Japan gets around it in anime. No, that's true. I I actually don't know if that's true or not. I'm just assuming it's true. They're my last little thing. Just no, so you, just don't, so you even, don't even lie. It's not going to be your last little <laughs> so thing. So you can understand. Um, in, in Japan or in anime, uh, I don't remember the exact term they use, but it's basically you have, uh, if you have a child looking character, I think it's Yuri, they're called Yuri's. Um, so you have someone that looks, you know, 10 to 14, um, but they say there's some kind of mythical being. So they're actually like a hundred years old or a thousand years old. And that's how they get around child abuse in anime. <laughs> Of course they do. Yes. So all the kids. Not not Yuri. Loli. So all the kids in the show are lolis. Yes. Great. Mm -hmm. This is, this is terrible. Again, the thing that did it for me was the ape men. Like I almost could have gotten away. I could have been okay if it was just the de-aging ray. It wasn't for you kids and (laughs) your dumb dog too. The fact that this de-aging ray is also somehow a devolution ray. Yeah. How do you mess that up? On accident. Makes, and you're like, why do there need to be cavemen in this? Mm-hmm. Like, what was the need for these characters to be here? At what point did someone go, you know what would be really great to put in this episode that has nothing to do with cavemen? Cavemen. Cavemen. These are probably the same people who try to make that goddamn Geico caveman TV show. What? You don't remember that? No. Do you remember the Geico caveman commercials? No. Like, it's so easy even a caveman could do it? Oh, yeah. God, you child. They made an actual sitcom out of it. Good. Like, I think, I'm pretty sure it was on uh, NBC. It, has any, has there ever been 
a successful show that came out of a commercial? No. Because I know they tried to do that with Flow as well. They made to do a Flow TV show? I thought so. I don't, I've never heard about this. Uh, I remember they tried to do something with her to like take her out of the commercial world. commercials? Yeah. Yeah. No, Cameron, the answer is definitively no. But what about the What's Up guys? The, what, the What's Up guys? Uh, yeah. Did they ever get a show? The, uh, the Budweiser Frogs? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Orlando Jones is the seven up yours guy. What? You remember that one? No. Uh, so it was the seven up campaign, but it was seven up yours. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So it, it would just say seven on the front of the shirt and the back would say up yours. Mm-hmm. It was a whole like, what like up it. yours? No, it's seven up yours. I'm on board now. I like it. It's I my, like it. It's my version of it. You no, know, because seven up is a Dr. Pepper product. <laughs> Sure, you do love your Dr. Pepper products. I do love my Dr. Pepper uh, products. But no, I'm pretty sure there's never Tim been... Tim Talk, sponsored by Dr. Sorry, Pepper. <laughs> please, please sponsor us. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's never been a successful TV adaptation from a commercial. By all means, if there has been one, and it's successful being the caveat here, I'm pretty sure the caveman was the only one that ever actually made it to air. Okay. But if there has been a successful one, please write to us and tell us. Yes. I mean, for specifically for me, I knew uh, Michigan... Michigan J Frog. Yeah. Yeah. I knew him from commercials before I knew him from right, Looney Tunes. But he was in Looney Tunes before he was in the commercials. Yes. Like Warner Brothers brought him in to be a, a big part of their Warner Brothers TV advertising. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that thing. That was mm-hmm. great. It was great. I, I love Michigan J Frog. Me too. I love his name. It's a great name. It is. It's a good it's a good piece of trivia to hold on to. You feel like that's a question that's gonna pop up somewhere in a trivia game. Yeah. Gun to your head. Gun to your Someone dick. Be like, yeah, gun to your dick. <laughs> Like, tell me the name of the dancing frog with the top hat. It's Michigan J Frog. <laughs> it's uh, Detroit. No, uh, uh, Chicago. Uh, 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 <laughs> Illinois Q Amphibian. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, fun times. I hate this goddamn show. Uh, I thought. I thought. Oh, hold on, hold on. So, so, the beginning of the episode, here's where they kind of messed up. Oh, really? <laughs> really? This is the one thing that didn't do it for you? No, because Roe has, again, there's always a moment at the beginning of the show where they, like, they have a, a line or something that could turn the whole show into something else. It's yeah. based off your, uh, when they go back to the hometown and Roe destroys the robot and, and oh, why Zeta yeah. didn't be like, hey, you're, why you meet your robot? could have been my brother. Yeah. Um, but at the beginning, she makes a, a comment of, of, oh no, uh, Zeta makes a comment of machines don't make mistakes. Oh, Yeah. And I'm like, that's that's an important line. That could be something much bigger than this episode. Yeah. And she's like, oh, based on based on my experience. And you're like, yeah, oh, that could have been an interesting plot. Yeah. Like she's trying to trick him into making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Or like the he finds an error in the machine. It, it could be like an AI machine that's actually working this. Yeah. Um, and it is messed up or something about that is messed up. It has an ulterior motive or something. There are many things that would have made this show better. Mm-hmm. Starting and ending with not having cavemen in it. I, for a second, though, thought we were done with season one. I didn't really, I, I, for some reason, I thought there was only 12 episodes. I was like, oh my God, we're done with season one. And like, oh, fuck, no, we have one more. Great. Um, but I guess the one good thing about that is at least the season didn't end with this episode. That's true. Small silver lining. I think they might not have gotten a second season. Actually, you know what? I wish it did end on this episode because then we might not have gotten a second season. Yeah. I'm sorry, Maddie. I know how much you love Zeta. I just don't know why. 
Mm-hmm. I hate it. We're not almost done. No. But for this episode, we're almost done. I like. I watched this today. I hated this episode as much. I wanted to walk out, and I was on an airplane. <laughs> I was tempted to crash the plane. Just to stop this episode. Just to stop this. Yeah. Knowing that no matter what, I had to finish it so I could come record it. But <clears throat> I think we're done with it, though. Okay. We're done with it for this, this week. Is, this is one that's going to be in the bucket of not worth saving. Like, no. not worth trying to rewrite it. Oh, my God. Absolutely not. Uh, I don't really have much in terms of notes from friends. Just one, uh, just one cool little thing. So Ashley Clark sent us on Instagram a, a photo by Alex Ross of Tom Welling as Superman. Oh. Looks really damn cool. Because uh, he also did another one recently, too, of Brandon Routh as the Kingdom Come Superman, which that's as we cool. discussed yeah, that's last what we're getting. week, we will be seeing him uh, in the Arrowverse crossover. Um, but yeah, here, here it is. And look, look at those, look at those lips. My God. Ugh. that's good. It's good. That's really good. good. I like that. Good old hunky Tom Welling. Good old Alex Ross. Yeah. Oh God. Part of my sexual awakening. You were Tom Welling. Uh, for many people, I would imagine. I feel like you're waiting for me to, to uh, agree with you. I mean, you have acknowledged the attractiveness of men before. I have. Yeah. But that was not my sexual awakening. But maybe that helps We've you. Al- we already had this whole conversation about what our sexual awakening characters were. Did we? Yeah, mine was Lola Bunny. That's right. <laughs> I forgot we had that. What was mine? I don't remember. I don't know. The problem I is, don't listen to you the pro- the That's fair. You shouldn't listen to me. The complicating th- thing, too, is I kind of have, like, two. Mm-hmm. So it, it gets messy. Yeah. No, I get it. I, it. It's not just one. The, every, people have multiple awakenings. Well, no, because like I had like the straight awakening. The, that's the, right. The, the that's gay right. awakening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Tom Welling definitely contributed to the latter. <laughs> uh, but what do you have to plug this week, Cameron? Uh, I got a few things to plug. Oh, uh, we wanted to talk about Lion King. Yeah. Okay. Let's do. Let's do a little. Can you do spoilers for a Lion King? It's the same movie. It's the same movie. Almost There's... cinematically shot for shot. Pretty much exactly, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you want to consider this spoilers to Lion King, consider it spoilers, but you really can't spoil a movie that's identical There's to There's one movie. scene you can spoil, and we're going to spoil that scene, because it's maybe the only scene that I liked in this movie. Which one? I hated this movie, by the way. Okay. I, like, multiple times almost walked out of the theater hated this movie. This is one of the most hated films I've seen in a while. Uh, I was with you on that. I was getting very close to walking out, too, because I was so bored. Mm-hmm. But what, what scene in particular did you really hate? As, as we were getting close to the scene, I was getting excited. Okay. Because my thought was, how are they going to make a realistic Timon do a hula dance? That was what did it for you? That was my, that was my question. And I got excited thinking that they're going to make a realistic meerkat do a hula dance. But instead, we got... I mean, I, I did enjoy this gag. Instead, we had... Uh, the meerkat they had Timon start singing Be Our Guest yes which I really appreciated I thought that was very funny maybe one of the most on the nose jokes I've ever seen in a movie but it did more or less land yes yeah it's something that only Disney can get away with it's true mm-hmm. uh, but yeah everything else I hated I hated they got rid of maybe one of my favorite speeches when Rafiki is talking to Simba and he hits him on the head with a club uh, and then he tries to hit him again and Simba moves. He's like, oh, you've learned from your past. Like, that's so important in this movie. Yeah. 
Uh, and that it fits the characters. Monkeys hit things with their hands. You can have them hit a hit a lion. You can keep it in the in the world of realism. Isn't he a baboon? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, they got rid of my favorite song. Like they kept most Which of the song? original score. Uh, Under the Stars isn't in this movie. I don't remember Under the Stars. It's the one that would have played when they played the Beyonce song. Okay, which I didn't really like. Mm-hmm. Um, Timon and Pumbaa are the only good parts about this movie. <laughs> Seth Rogen, I don't like hearing Pumbaa have the Seth Rogen laugh. I was fine <laughs> with the voice, but once the laugh started, then I'm I, like, mm, Look, I mm, disagree. I disagree. I love the Seth Rogen laugh. I do too, just not when it's from a warthog. I, I think I've talked about this before, that when I was at film school at Danza College, they were filming Steve Jobs at the time mm-hmm. on location on that school because that's where the Flint Center is when the original 1984 Mac announcement happened. So right. film at actual location. So they were on there. And so like my friends and I would just go and like hang out on the side of the shoot and just like watch everything going on. It was amazing. Um, but I was able to hear the Seth Rogen laugh in person. Oh, did it just like, echo like, around the school? Yeah, like off in the distance, I could see him and Michael Fassbender like having a chat. Uh, and then he's just like, Ugh. and it's like, it's, it's, I'm doing a horrible impression of it, obviously. And it's a beautiful thing to hear, but it's, it's melodic. I feel like it's just so in joyous. Person. It's, it is one of the most contagious laughs I've ever heard in my entire life. It just brings me joy. Yeah. So I didn't have a problem with the laugh happening coming out of a photorealistic warthog do you think this is going to make more money than the original uh that i mean that is a difficult question to answer i think in terms of like actual dollars it could possibly i think it's it's doing very well god damn it um i mean it stayed at number one this weekend at i think it was like 76 million and wow no one went to go see once upon a time in hollywood no People did. That got $40 million, and it was, so far, the biggest Tarantino opening ever, if I recall. Okay, that's cool. So, it actually, it did very well for what it was, but, I mean, it was still below Lion King. I mean, it's, it's like, at the end of the day, like you said, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, have not seen it yet, very much want to see it. You've had very good things to say about it. That is still a two-hour, 40-minute-long, R-rated Tarantino film mm-hmm. compared to a G-rated Disney movie. Like, What's going to make more money? Like, le- like just legitimately, what's going to make more money? Mm-hmm. It is G-rated, right? Uh, it might be PG. Okay, there might be enough scary stuff that make it PG. Yeah. But it's like, you're not going to compete with that. But, I mean, I, it's possible... Uh, it's possible it will make more, but I bet if you were to compare the two, like, from an inflation perspective, I don't know if it would actually do it. Okay. Because, I mean, The Lion King, when it came out in 94, mm-hmm. ah, was the biggest movie that year, right? I think so, and it, it until Frozen, it was the biggest animated feature of all time. Yeah, it was. I think it was like seven hundred fifty million. It ne- it didn't break a billion, which I means nothing was breaking a billion in the nineties, right? Because Spider Man was the first one to break a billion. No, 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 cause, no. Because we just got the Spider Man that broke a billion. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Far From Home was the first Spider Man film to break a billion. That's so. awesome. No, and well deserved. That's a mm-hmm. great film. Um, what was the first Titanic? Uh, I, Titanic. I think Titanic was the first film to break a billion. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's true, which would yeah. have been three years. Well, yeah. Later. I mean, no, nothing is close. Cool, I, yeah, I think Titanic and Lion King might've been the two biggest movies of the nineties. Get that live Google search happening. Ooh, it made 968.5 million. Dang. It came very, very close. Oh, so the highest grossing <clears throat> films. 
Lion King is number five. Can you guess the four above it without Googling? Can you feel? No. The love I feel nothing. Tonight. I am a terrible singer. You are. Oh my Can you God. guess the four movies that made more money than Lion King from the 90s? Okay. Uh, wait, the first Lord of the Rings is 2001. One. Okay, mm-hmm. so that wouldn't be in there. So Titanic. Yep. Forrest Gump? No, that's right under Lion King. Okay. I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. The Matrix. No. Um, Glad it. No, Glad. Ooh. That was two thousand. Damn. Um, two thousand one. Um, two of these movies have sequels that are still in the top five highest grossing films of all time. Phantom Menace. Yep. Number two. Uh, oh, another. Oh, another. Oh, Jurassic Park. There you go. So Titanic is one. Star Wars is two. Jurassic Park is three. Uh, Independence Day is four. Oh, Independence Day. That's a good, and then that's Lion King movie. is five. That's such a good movie. And Forrest Gump is six. Oh, wait, no. It was number two in 1994. Uh, Forrest Gump made more money than Lion King in 1994. Oh, that's domestic gross, though. Oh, yeah. I have Worldwide. Is it Mr. Worldwide? Yes. Could you imagine if Pipple, DJ Khaled, and Jason Derulo did a song together? Uh, it, would take, that... it would take forever for the actual song to start. Isn't that what Cass is And, and Will be? Smith. Yeah. Like Will Smith is a self-introducer. Well, but he's more in the middle. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Mm-hmm. He just gets the ha-ha at the beginning. That, okay, that's true. Let's throw him in there as well. Yeah. Wait, wait, hang on. Because they did a version of, is it Friend Like Me for Aladdin mm-hmm. that was Will Smith and DJ Khaled? Yes. Did that have both the ha-ha and the DJ Khaled I in the front of it? I'm pretty sure it did. <laughs> I'm gonna double check that when this is over. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, okay. I, look, I agree with you yeah, on the, well, the Lion, Lion King. King. Um, I was really bored up until the point when Timon and Puma came on. I think mm-hmm. uh, Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner are the standout. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think John Oliver is really fun in it too. I think part of the problem is John, John Oliver can't really sing. And I think yeah, that, that's what I also really hated is all the talk singing. Yeah, they ruined Be Prepared. Yeah, they basically. Just, he, that, that's a Broadway star, isn't it? The actor. It's Jeremy Irons. Oh, I forgot about that. I mean, he's he's been on Broadway. I'm pretty yeah. sure he has a Tony. Um, he's a Tony. Yes, because he's he's a near egot. He doesn't have a Grammy. Okay. Um. But yeah. He he hits one note, which is the last note, very well. Yeah. But they talk through the whole song. No, it, I, and the, I think part of the problem here is I like the people involved. In this I like, for example, I love Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think mm-hmm. he's amazing. I think. The version of Scar they're going for, he makes sense. But it just, the, the problem is the whole thing just felt so subdued. It's like the color was pulled out of it. The personality was pulled out of the animation of the characters. So much the, so. The energy of the songs was diminished. And I feel like the energy level came back up when uh, Timon and Pumbaa showed up. I think Billy Eichner is super fun. I, I like Billy Eichner a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I've not, I haven't watched a lot of Billy on the Street, but I really liked him in um, uh, Difficult People. I think he's fucking hilarious and okay. i think i think he's really putting the effort also a good singer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i think of like and it just the rest of it just felt so muted it just felt like they just desaturated the whole thing in every way possible mm-hmm. um and uh, like towards the like by the end of it i was like enjoying it fine once like the energy kind of came back up but it just the that first well, i guess half hour or so it's really really boring honestly this movie would have been better if it was uh, voiceover. Like if this is like a Nat Geo style voiceover. 
Because that's kind of what... Oh, like they actually had like a, a narrator? Yeah. Like a David Attenborough-style narration going or on? Or they do this as a cross-promotion with um, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, uh, his... Nat Geo show coming that, out. If they had done that, then I would have been completely on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because... So I listened to an interview with John Favreau, and that interview actually is super interesting. It's on um, Empire Podcast. Of course. Um, and, I mean, he's just an interesting guy. Wait, wait, of course, because it was Empire. Of course, because it was... Because it's Empire. Cause it's Empire. They do great interviews. Chris Hewitt, one of my podcast heroes. Met him. Um, he... Th- like, John Favreau was talking about the process, and the, the vision they had for this was to make it photorealistic like a National Geographic documentary. And mm-hmm. I will give them credit in that regards... If you don't think of it as a animated movie in the same way that the first one has this beautiful color palette to it and it's so visually spectacular, but if you just look at the how impressive the animation is in terms of recreating li- like real animals, it's astounding. Yeah, here here's I agree. I yeah. do agree. Here's here's my concern with that is when did the first Chronicles of Narnia come out? 2004, 5, somewhere around there, yeah. We had Aslan who was a photorealistic lion who had way more emotion almost 15 years ago. Like there's people, I love the photos of people where like they take a screenshot from the movie and hold their cat next to it. (laughs) And you see the cat's emotions. Yeah. And like, we know animals can emote. We know they have facial expressions. It, yeah, look, it's, I've seen a sad cat before. What they were, we had a whole character named grumpy cat. It was famous for I, years. I know, I know. I think that what they set out to do, they were successful at. But in that endeavor, they took away a lot of what made that movie so good. Yes. So it's it's weird because I think it is a success. And we're seeing that in the box office, but we were always going to see that box office. But I just, it's because it's the most faithful to the original in terms of like the story and the shots and the songs and like it, it is a full on recreation. And we've said before that Disney, when they're in the remakes, when they make efforts to differentiate themselves when they're at their strongest, mm-hmm. you know, I don't necessarily see eye to eye on that regards to Aladdin, but I think the problem here is that they were trying so hard to recreate it that they just couldn't capture that magic once again. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I think from a technical perspective, there's some really impressive stuff and them talking about the process of doing it was pretty interesting. Apparently there's one actual real live action shot in there somewhere. Oh, that's cool. But John Favreau hasn't the said sunrise. I think it might be the sunrise. He hasn't said which one it is. He hasn't said which <laughs> the one shot it is. With no animals in it. Yeah. He hasn't said which one, but it might be the sunrise, but no, I, I would agree with you. I, I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy this. I think it might be, uh, I really didn't like Dumbo though. Oh Yeah. I think I liked this more than Dumbo only because I, I genuinely really, really liked Billy Eichner in this. Yeah. Um, and I, I was, I was hoping that I would enjoy Donald Glover a bit more. I thought that was genius casting on their part because he is an actor that has so much personality and he's such a phenomenal musician. But again, it's, I think if they just gave him a face, it yeah. would have been better. Yeah. I just, I didn't, I, it didn't feel like I was watching. Don, I didn't feel the Donald Gloverness there in the same way that I felt the John Oliver. I felt the Billy Eichner. I felt the, the Seth Rogen. Yeah. Um, well, I think they all have, I mean, Donald Glover has a distinct voice, Yeah. but it's like, if I was in a crowd, you wouldn't necessarily pick it out. I, I wouldn't pick him out, yeah. but I could probably pick out John Oliver. I could probably yeah. pick out Seth Rogen. When I was listening to it, I was like, this 
it, Donald Glover was not trying to do a Matthew Broderick impression. Right. But it didn't feel like a dissimilar performance. I was like, oh, this kind of, this sounds kind of like Matthew Broderick actually a little bit, which is weird. Yeah. That they would feel so closely tied, but I was like, mm, yeah. Mm. And I wonder if in the voice, in the, in like the, the booth, the voice director, like, I wonder if they had them scale back emotion to fit the character. I mean, it would have been just the director. I don't, I don't know if this movie actually has a specific voice director, right? Oh, then yeah, it might've just been the director. I'm assuming it's just John Favreau in mm-hmm. this case. Because, like, the face can only go to a six. Yeah. So any emotion can only get to a six. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it, mm. And that scene where fucking Mufasa falls off the fucking cliff is such a travesty to animation in general. Why? It's so ugly. Everything about that shot is done. They, I mean, they tried to recreate it perfectly from the animated version, which is so well done. Where it's the pause, or it's, it, you know, Scar... Uh, digging his claws into Mufasa's hands, and it's the long live the king. Yeah, and then pull, ripping Mufasa's <laughs> hands off the rock, him falling, and that that zoom out shot from Simba's eye to seeing him. Oh yeah, and then changing that to the live action version where it's it's an unemotive scar, being like long live the king, and then bitch slapping his brother. Uh, to cause him to fall and then trying to recreate the zoom, but you can't recreate that same, like the, the speed of animation. You can't yeah. recreate that realistically. And so it's, it's the zoom doesn't feel the right pace. The, the, the cry yeah. is, and I think this is, it gets, it gets exactly to the point. The cry was like an eight, nine emotion where the visual was still a five, six. Yeah. And I think that dis connection was a problem mm-hmm. for the whole thing. Yeah. Cause like that. So what that's usually referred to is like, um, like a dolly zoom shot. Yeah. So like Hitchcock, I don't know if he actually created it, but like he famously used it a lot in vertigo. Spielberg has used it a lot. You know, you see it in jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and it's done really well in the animated version. I think you have to, at the end of that, you have the eyes that that shot is focusing on have to be really heavily expressive. Yeah. And they, and they just weren't that here, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, um, and also, don't cats land on their feet? Just throwing that out there. But I mean, like, now, now that I think about that that scene realistically, because I'm like, I've never seen a cat fall on its back, and I'm like, oh, because they don't. But I mean, that's a pretty far way to go. Yeah. And he like he fell backwards. So he had plenty of time to twist that twist that body around. Twist and shout. Mm-hmm. There's actually a great video that uh, the slow-mo guys do on YouTube mm-hmm. where they film a cat in slow-mo. They drop it, not from its super high height, uh, just from, like, probably where I am to the ground. They drop a cat and film it in slow motion to see exactly how the body mechanics work to get it in basically basically zero-G to get a full body rotation. Yeah. And it's very fascinating how they That's do cool. it. They basically can separate their upper half and lower half and use forced to like twist one half to give the energy to twist the other half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of like build up some momentum. And yeah. It's cool. I recommend it. They bend and snap. They do it. They do a great bend and snap. <laughs> of course they do. Um, okay. So yeah. Mufasa, why didn't you just land on your feet? Just bend and snap Mufasa. Yeah. Uh, what other things you got to plug? Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about mo- both of these next week after you see them, but I saw once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. It's amazing. Love it. Everyone go see it. Uh, but it's long. Be ready. 
Uh, and then I watched The Boys, the new Amazon oh, show. yeah. And damn, is that good. Is it good? It's good. Uh, and I will, I will hold back all of my thoughts on it until you see it, because it's, it's, it's worth watching without any spoilers. How many episodes is it? Only eight. Only eight. Mm-hmm. And they're hour? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, I'll, I'll try. Yeah. I mean, there's no rush. I honestly might watch it again. Oh, wow. Okay. Just because it's, it's very fun. All right. That's good to hear. I mean, I, I was excited based on the trailers. So. I've, I've never seen, in the first episode specifically, um, I, I'm going to say it's every R-rated warning you can have in a show. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> Like T-V-L-V, like T-V-M-A-L-V-S, like S-N. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, so it's, yeah. It's language, violence, suggested sexual stuff. Actual sexual stuff, nudity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like three others, and at the bottom, it's like for 18 plus only in bold. And I'm sure there's still parents that are like, "How dare you make a superhero show that <laughs> I let my kid watch and it's not kid friendly? Yeah. It's your responsibility, yeah, to make me listen to you when you tell me to not let my children watch it." Yeah, my God, no, I am excited about that. I'm gonna try and at least get started on it this week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What have you been watching, listening, reading? Uh, I just finished reading the novel Stardust. So I watched the movie a few months ago. and uh, The movie the from 2005? Uh, 2007? Okay. Five, seven? Five, Somewhere seven, around there. Seven? I've never Mid-2000s. seen it. Uh, it's very early Matthew Vaughn movie, and I do love his work. Is that um, James Marston? No. So it's uh, Charlie Cox, actually, the future Daredevil. That, okay, there we go. Okay. Uh, they, yeah. all, they look all the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's really good in it. Like good. I, the performance is good. I didn't, I didn't love the movie. It was okay. I think if I'd seen it when it came out, I would have had a greater appreciation for it, just because it feels a little bit old fashioned and dated at this point. Yeah. But I was curious about the book, and I've had it. I've owned it for years. I sat down and read it. And it's, it's a kid's book. Yeah. It's you know it's it's fun and fanciful. It's also Neil Gaiman, so it's like a little bit dark and raunchy, even though it's a children's novel. Like there's some like sex scenes in it and some stuff like that. I feel like there was a movie that came out around that time which had a similar concept. And I want to say it was Enchanted. Uh, well, I mean... In- but that would have been earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, there was Ella Enchanted, which was based off of a kid's book and That might have been, yeah. I just know there was another like fantasy-feeling film um, that came out within months of Stardust. Because I remember saw, I saw that one, but not this one. Okay, I don't, I don't remember. But uh, I read the book. The book's pretty good. I didn't love it, but I liked it. Henry Cavill's in it. Yeah. Mark Strong's in it. I know. It's got, I mean, it's got a great cast. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Chewing the scenery. Claire Danes. Yes. Uh, no, it's an excellent, excellent cast, actually. Um, and then I watched two different versions of Into the Woods this last week. Oh, you're going to see a third one? Uh, I mean, I will at some point watch a third one. But no, I so I saw the... Hollywood Bowl version. That's what I on meant. Friday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing that I was going to see it on Friday, I went with my friend Josh. Uh, he suggested we watch another version of it first because he and I also went to go see Phantom of the Opera together at the Pantages, and that's when I was like, "What is happening? I'm so confused." And I realized that with musicals, sometimes it's better to see a version first, so you already know the music, you already know the story, so you can just kind of go along with it rather than like trying to figure stuff out as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so knowing we were going to go see Into the Woods at the Panta- or excuse me, at the Hollywood Bowl on Friday. We watched a taping of the original Broadway cast. One that oh, has you didn't Bernadette watch the James Corden version? No. Because <clears throat> I've heard it's not great. Same. Like everyone says that Burnett Peter is like the best version of The Witch. So we watched that on YouTube, but we watched it like on Wednesday night and we had split a bottle of wine and we watched it like eight o'clock at night. So I fell asleep through most of it. 
but I got the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew enough of the songs that we went in on Friday to then watch it at the bowl. I already was like on board and totally engaged it. And the bowl version was really, really fun. Good. Um, so there weren't any like super, super recognizable names, like broadly recognizable. I think there's some, some other like, well, Broadway uh, the actors. The kid from Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, uh, Gaten Mazzaro, Matazaro, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He plays Jack and he's really good. Uh, he yeah. was really, really good in it. Um, Cheyenne Jackson, who's a name that I've seen pop up in some places. He played one of the princes. Um, but it's a, it's a really fun show. I had never seen any of a version of it before mm-hmm. and I really, really liked it. And as I was watching both versions, I realized that I can see where their casting choices for the movie make a lot of sense. Like I'm watching this and like, Oh, I can see why Anna Kendrick would be so good at Cinderella. I can see why Chris Pine would be so good as like this pompous Prince role. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do now really want to watch at some point the, the Disney version, except for it's mostly pretty good, except for, I've heard some of the roles are maybe a little bit miscast. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Depp. Yeah, that's the one that kind of gets mentioned the most. Well, it's even interesting because I watched the trailer for it, and it's so weird because he's just like in a zoot suit with almost no wolf makeup. And it seems like the rest of that movie is very earnest in its effort to uh, give itself a a really strong visual sense. You know, it's like, okay, when you're scaling up from stage to the movie, you can go big and you can be a little more lavish in terms of your design. And it's weird because I felt like the the wolf, from what I saw in the trailer, was actually toned down, which was strange. I... When you're casting Johnny Depp, I think you just want people to know it's Johnny I Depp. I guess that's, that's probably it, and especially when that movie came out, because it came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. So he was still, like, big, big, big at that time. Um, but, yeah, I've heard the rest of the cast is, you know, really, really good, so yeah. I will watch it at some point. But it's a great musical. I really enjoyed it. Emily Blunt is in it, right? Yeah, she Emily Blunt is the, the uh, baker's wife. Yeah. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, James Corden is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the first 10 minutes. <laughs> didn't, didn't do it for you? No. Nah. I mean, I'll, I'll give it another chance. Yeah, give it another chance. The, the music's really good. I mean, I, I, haven't, I don't honestly know Sondheim that well. Um, you don't get drinks with them? No, I mean, we, we kind of pass each other on occasion. It's, we, I mean, I don't know well to call him Steven. Which, yeah. Yeah. That's, so. that's, is it Steve? Yeah. Steph? Stefo? Yeah. So I call him Sondheim. He calls me Lord. It's very formal. Very formal. We, yeah, we just kind of like pass him and say Sir. hi. Sir... Yes, I call him Sir. Sir Steve. Uh, no, that's reserved for Mr. Spielberg. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. But you call him Mr. Spielberg. Yes. Yes. Well, I just call him Master. <laughs> Fair enough. But no, I, I recommend checking out uh, some version of Into the Woods wherever you can find it. So Great. But that's the last of my plugs. Great. Yeah. I read Long Halloween. Talk about that next week. You what? I read Long Halloween. <gasps> talk about that next you did. week okay we'll talk about it next week yeah well yeah. okay because we only have one episode of zeta next week so we, we have extra Fuck we have yes. we have extra time to be tangenty next week <sighs> tangential tangenty i like that we're gonna go with i that. haven't received such great news in such a long time such a long time i know uh but thank you as always for listening folks uh if you want to reach out to us uh what was the question we had for them earlier oh if cameron should hand in his resignation for the podcast because he couldn't name christopher lloyd or he doesn't know any clue references and you agree with me you can find us at tim talk pod on facebook twitter instagram and gmail uh if you want to harass him directly you can find him at cameron.dexter on instagram and at cameron underscore adventures also on instagram cam dexter underscore adventures what did i say i said cam underscore adventures there you go. Write to Cam underscore adventures. Yes. They'll very <laughs> much appreciate it. Whoever that person is will appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can find me at Lordifer. Great. Yeah. Nailed it. Do you, uh, you want to like have some sort of retribution on your part? Do you want to? No, if, I mean, if, I, I am ashamed you, of my performance today. I do. The, I do <laughs> still feel like those aren't like the most iconic things of clue to reference. 
the flame. Okay, the the Cillian telegram, maybe not. Although mm-hmm. the way I sang it was very obvious. But I'm sorry, the flames is one of the most iconic things about that movie. Like when people think Clue, they think of Madeline Kahn's performance. They think flames on the side of my face. I'd say that's one of the most recognizable quotes for that movie, along with one plus two plus one plus one. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's your movie. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you have it. Yeah. If you agree with me, <laughs> the flames is fine. Is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. It's a well-known quote. What's the love interest from, from Roger Rabbit? Jessica Rabbit. No, the other one. Dolores. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. What's the actress's name? That's not important. What's the actress who voices Jessica Rabbit? There's, it's not an actress. It's a real person. Jessica Rabbit's a real person. <laughs> <laughs> and on that sad realization, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. I don't know. What's her name? Kathleen Turner. Oh. Like, very famously voiced by Kathleen Turner.